0: There are three things that I swore that I would never do when I was a teenager growing up in northern Michigan and full of the wisdom and foresight of a high schooler. I swore I would never be a pastor, even though I knew I was going to be. It was not the future life that I was dreaming of. I swore I would never marry a girl from Ohio that was, of course, before I met Chris, who was born in Euclid. And I swore I would never, 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 ever live in Ohio. Now, to be sure, as wrong as I was, this has worked out very well for me. I love being a pastor. I love my wife. And Ohio's not terrible. <laughs> what happens, though, when it really doesn't work out so well. When the plans, the dreams, the hopes, they just kind of fall apart and they crumble. And sometimes even the remembrance of them is like walking through a burnt out husk. I don't know about you, but I've got a voice, like on a constant loop in my head that reminds me of all of the things that haven't turned out the way that I thought they should in all of the ways that, across my lifetime, I have failed. And it's one of those things that, you know, I can look and I I can see, you know, times that, you know, have I lived up to my potential? Have I used my gifts and abilities as God intends for me to use them? And these questions, they they rattle around in my brain. And and sometimes it's like, are you really as as talented and as uh, good At what you do as you think you are? Can can you relate? As you look at your own life? Or perhaps your life has always just been winning, winning, winning. Probably not, though. That's not been my experience. That's not been my observation of how life works. Moses was living a life that was not going according to plan. It started out pretty amazingly, this incredible intervention. He was actually born under a death sentence. Uh, All the Israelite boys were supposed to be thrown into the Nile River. Uh, It was a kind of a combination of human sacrifice and, and population control. But he was rescued from that water because his mother had put him into a basket, and that basket floated down, and Pharaoh's daughter... Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, his daughter, found Moses in that basket, and she adopted him. And Moses, this kid who was supposed to die, ends up growing up as a a little prince. And unlike his family, who were all in slavery, Moses grew up in the palace. He lived as royalty until he was about 40 years old. And then he killed the man. The man was a slave driver who was beating an Israelite. He was beating one of these relatives of Moses. And Moses murdered him. And he hid his body in the sand. And when he realized that others knew what he had done, he ran for it. He got out of Egypt and he went to the land of Midian. This would be modern day Jordan, Saudi Arabia, kind of on the border there. And long story short, he met his wife, he got married, he had kids, and he got a job tending his father-in-law's flocks. And in our reading, Moses is about 80 years old. And there he is, still in Midian, still taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. I'm pretty sure that this was not the life that that Moses had planned out for himself. It was not the life that he dreamed of when he was growing up in the palace. Henry David Thoreau wrote, The mass of men live lives of quiet desperation. And I suspect that Moses was experiencing some of that that, that desperation, having had a, a golden beginning to his life living in palaces, having the best of everything, to shepherding in the wilderness. It's not what he had planned for his life. Can you relate? Some of the desperation is a sense that that things are not quite right in this world. We're constantly out of sync we, we don't match up with our creator's will for us we have disagreements with our, our neighbors even our closest neighbors you know your spouse your 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 children your parents we are in conflict even even with the creation that, that God has placed us in and the rest of creation groans under our sin and it isn't you know, as we gather here on a Sunday morning around the word and sacraments, it isn't that we don't know God loves us. And it isn't that we, we you know, haven't received the, the salvation that Jesus won for us through his death and resurrection. We know these things. We rejoice in them. We have been reconciled to God through Jesus' blood. But we have this, this tension inside of us. That we are, are saints, who are forgiven, we're loved, we're comforted by God, and we're we're full of good hope through Jesus. And at the same time, we're sinners who fall short and who experience angst and spiritual performance anxiety. There's often a feeling that you know, this just isn't working out as I planned or as I hoped. As long as we go through this life. And notice that I say this life. Remember that there is new life through faith in Jesus. You are people who are born again. Romans 6 says that when we were baptized, we were baptized into Jesus' death. And that if we've received a death like his, we will certainly receive a resurrection like his. Bodily, to live forever in God's glory. Jesus is coming again. And when he does, we're going to live with him in this, this new creation. A perfect world where we, we will live full and abundant lives as the people that God created us to be, as he intended us to be from the beginning. But I think we get confused sometimes when we think that this life, this world, is all that there is. And, in, and if this is all that there is, as good as this can be, we will always end up disappointed, disappointed, We're desperate. But there are a couple of things to notice in Moses' experience at the burning bush that that we should take note of. We should take to heart. First, God came to Moses. It wasn't that Moses was out there taking care of the sheep going, God, where are you? He's out there just kind of doing his job, and all of a sudden, the bush is burning. Huh. Huh i got to check this out. It, it, it was God They're getting his attention, getting ready to speak to him from that bush. God appeared to Moses and spoke to him. Now, as cool as that is, Bob is exactly right. God doesn't usually go around speaking to people through bushes, and certainly not through the burning bushes that we have in our yards. He speaks to us regularly. Through his word. He he doesn't do these miraculous, you know, conflagrations. He gave his son to speak to us. And his word has been handed down to us through the apostles. And we could pick that up every day and read. And as we read those words, it's literally God speaking to us through the scriptures. He speaks to us through the word and by the power of the cross, he makes us whole. And he makes us holy as we gather on holy ground. Have have you ever thought about this place that way? That this is holy ground? Not because of what we're doing, but because of what God is doing. Where Jesus is here, he's delivering forgiveness and new life to you. God came to Moses, and God has come to you. Second, God used Moses' years, he used his experiences, he used his failures. And his disappointments, he redeemed his life. And and, and this is life before the resurrection. It's not that Moses died, went to heaven, and then God used him. It was in the midst of this world. And sometimes the worst experiences in our lives are the ones that God uses to draw us to himself to display his mercy in us, to prepare us, to love our neighbors, to teach us what it means to walk by faith and not by sight, and even to become messengers of God's salvation in other people's times of desperation. Author Frank Peretti wrote, God does not waste an ounce of our pain or a drop of our tears. Redemption. Redemption is more than forgiveness. When you redeem something, it becomes yours again. It gets value again. God redeems our suffering. And God uses our hurts and our desperation to bless us. And through us to bless others. So Moses stood there at the, the burning bush as a, a broken man, a man with a past, a man whose life fell far short of its potential. But all of that was about to change, wasn't it? Because God's calling Moses, God has a mission for Moses to save his people. And was Moses up to the job? Nope. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. time out, God. I'm just out here in the wilderness, you know? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children out of Egypt? Who am I? We might ask that question of ourselves. Who am I? People might ask that question of you accusingly. Who do you think you are? This this tactic of doubt is one that the devil uses regularly on God's people. (laughs) He keeps using it because we keep buying it, by the way. Who am I? I know my sin. I know my failure. I know all the ways that my life is a mess. And that's a pretty desperate feeling. And into that desperation, God speaks to us as he did to Moses, but I will be with you. God told Moses his name that day. He says, I am who I am. And so the people of God since then have called God Yahweh, which in Hebrew means. He is, God says, "I am." He is, and, and so throughout the uh, the Old Testament, God's name is Yahweh, and it's a good name for us to use too. He says, "You know, we're supposed to use that properly, praying, praising, giving thanks." There will be times when we feel like we are insufficient, and in that moment, God says. I am sufficient for whatever you need. Our sin will weigh us down and our consequences will will tell us that we're not good enough. But look at the cross and remember that he is, Yahweh, he is sufficient to pay for our sins. We will experience brokenness, desperation, Imperfection in a million different ways. And the devil and the world will rub our noses in it. And they will remind us, you're not holy. You're not faithful. You're not obedient. You're nothing like God intends for you to be. And when that happens, Jesus says, but I am. And I died to redeem you. I rose to give you new life. I am with you. I am coming again. And I am going to raise you up on the last day. So stand firm in the faith. Walk in the hope that that Jesus has won for you. And share this good news about Yahweh. He is. He is our Savior and our God, amen.